anecdote. Like, now, now what's my opening line? That was your opening line. Hey, Fed Heads. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Uh, I'm your host, Trip, and you just heard Matt talking. Uh, Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's been, uh, been a while. It's been a little bit. Um, so, of course, we're broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, live on Facebook, and you can catch up on any podcast catcher or uh, on Cigar Federation channel at YouTube.com. Uh, if you're watching live, feel free to leave comments, ask us questions. Uh, we like that. We like a little interaction with the audience. So tonight we are smoking the Hoya de Nicaragua Gran Reserva. No, the Hoya de Nicaragua 1970 Antonio Gran Reserva. Did I say that in the right order? I mean, it's close enough. I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's a long name. Um, <laughs> so this is the same Antonio that everybody has Pretty much everybody has smoked before. Um, I don't think there's many people out there who uh, who have never smoked an Antonio. It's it's a pretty uh, well known cigar brand, um, and this is of course the same blend, but they actually aged the leaves for five years before rolling. It's uh, the Antonio, and, and when it first debuted, I was still very much just kind of like a. A social cigar smoker, as opposed mm-hmm. to the the hardcore freak that I probably am or became at one point. Um, but and I don't know the the full background. I don't know if you do, but I, I think the Antonio really changed you know the cigar industry. I I, I think yeah, when absolutely. it first debuted, it it was you know along the lines of what Opus was at when Opus debuted, and really just kind of a. a pushed a bleeding edge kind of cigar um and this and and you know this is the second time i smoked it the first time i i wondered to myself i want to do a side by side with the original and and notice the difference uh obviously you know we're not doing that tonight but uh you know i'm 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 curious i think i can taste some difference uh but it's been a while since I smoked a, a, an original Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was the last time you smoked one? And have uh, you smoked them side by side yet? I haven't smoked them side by side. So this is only the second time I'm smoking the Grand Reserva. The first one I had was at the show. Uh, I think it was either while I was interviewing Juan or shortly after. Um, but, you know, I mean, your palate is completely jacked. And it was, I think it was day two. It might have been day one. Yeah. But still, I was like six cigars deep already. Um, but I had planned this week on trying kind of that experiment. Uh, I smoked the Antonio yesterday and then I had planned on smoking this one back to back with it. And I just kind of ran out of time. You know, the cigar smoked a lot longer than I expected it to. And then I was near the end of the work day. So I just kind of put it off until today. And then we decided we were going to do this show and it, it seemed like the perfect timing. Well, then I'm, I'm going to keep looking back to you throughout the show to, to give me comparison notes with the original. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, right off the bat, it's definitely not as strong. It doesn't have like that super intense pepper and that like there's like a really rich oaky kind of note, like a woody note that I get from the regular Antonio. And that is way... Uh, way less intense than it is or it's way less intense in this version of the cigar than it is in the original i i almost get i, I i'm it's been a while since i 
reviewed a cigar, uh, so I'm, I'm cautious to use the word floral, but almost like a floral flavor on the retro hell of, of this one. Actually, I can absolutely see that. There is a little, like, kind of a woody floral note that I get. Yeah. I'm digging it. I mean, I'm only uh, a quarter of an inch, half of an inch in, but really solid smoke. And uh, if, if anybody watching is interested in getting these, it looks like they are kind of just hitting the shelves within the last couple weeks. Um, so you should be able to track some down and buy them now. Uh, but of course, we're not here just to talk about cigars. We're here also to pair. Um, and you're kind of a beer guy. I'm kind of a beer guy. And we're both kind of in places where there's just a ton of craft beer available. So we both went with kind of like, you know, craft beer. I went with mostly local beers, but uh, the first one's not quite local. What's your first one? Uh, so my first one is, I, I don't know how this is going to work with a cigar. I haven't, I don't usually pair this beer with cigars, uh, but this is Anderson Valley Blood Orange Goza. Um, so for people who, who don't know what a Goza is, it's first it's pronounced Goza. And second, it's, it's an interesting beer style. It's become one of my favorites because it's, it's almost not like drinking beer. It's typically very low alcohol it's a little bit sour and it's got kind of a salty character to it and anderson valley i'm not sure they even have like a normal goza but they their flavored gozas have gotten really popular in the last couple years yeah i'm trying to think i I don't know if they do have a they've got the blood orange they've got the briny melon they've got the the gin and tonic the holy the holy goza um, yeah. you know, gozas are, are the kind of style and really sours on the whole are the kind of style that it's like a love it or, or hate it. I, I had a buddy over, uh, a couple weeks ago and gave him the Westbrook goza. Oh, I love that one. Which is really, you know, like the, the epitome of what you're looking for in, in that salty, sour goza style. Uh, and Yesterday we were hanging out smoking a cigar. We stopped at the liquor store and he's like, "Where can I get you know more like that?" Uh, so it's, it's the kind of thing like, and you know, I give it to my wife and she's like, oh, "This is horrendous. How do you drink this?" So it's really the kind of thing. It's a, a love it or hate it style. Yeah, and and I find with a lot of people, they the first time they try a goza, they hate it because you just don't really know what to expect. It doesn't taste anything like it looks. It's like got that kind of like fruity tang, like almost like the sourness of like a lime. Uh, but then it's got that like salty element and then it kind of tastes like beer. So this particular one is kind of reddish from those blood oranges and, uh, it's not overly sour or overly salty, which is, there are some gozas out there that are like puckering sour. Um, this one's just kind of a nice fruity sourness. And so far I think it goes with the, the cigar pretty well. Uh, what's your first pairing there? So, uh, you know, Again, we, we kind of put this together spur of the moment uh, this afternoon. Uh, so we I took a hodgepodge. I tried to go all New Jersey, uh, and then I looked through my fridge and what was ready, and I couldn't do it, but I came close. So we're going to start with uh, Bolero. Can you see that? Oops. Bolero yeah. Cyber Bully. Uh, so uh, I like that this label. is... It's it's a really cool label. You can't really even appreciate it unless you look it up online, because it's got references to Untapped. It's got like Facebook messages in it. It's it's actually quite funny. 
Um, so Bolero is a New Jersey brewery. They're a um, they're not a, a contract brewer. They're a, a nomad brewer. So they don't have mm-hmm. their own brewery. They just hop around from spot to spot. Um, and for a variety of reasons that you know aren't necessarily important for this show, uh, they've gotten a lot of flack over the past couple of years from the New Jersey beer community for some of their practices and some of their luck or lack thereof in in what they're trying to do. Um, and so every beer that they produce, there's some theme of the bull or the the cow or uh, which you'll see in a little bit because I've got another beer from them also. Um, so they came out with this beer. It's a 6.9% zero IBU IPA uh, with Amarillo what? and Citra. So it's, you know, it's funny because... So is it like was, 100% dry hopped? I, I, it's, I don't even know, right? <laughs> there was a push like a year ago, a couple of years ago, where everybody was like, oh, I'm going to come out with 150 IBUs. I'm going to come out with 1,000 IBUs. And, you know, the average palate, you know, once you get past like 80 IBUs, you don't even taste anything. So it's, yeah. it was just kind of a, a you know, pissing contest. And now I've noticed that there's been a big push to see, you know, how low can we go while still giving that that hoppy flavor. Yeah. Um, so it's Amarillo and Citra on the way to the fermenter before system overloading double dry hop of mosaic and Amarillo, then Citra, Summer, and more Mosaic. So wow. the super soft bitterness with dreamy levels of stone fruit and apricot making way to white peach and mango. Um, and the cool part about this is uh, a portion of the proceeds from all of the beers sold are being donated to the CyberSmile Foundation uh, to fund their 24-hour hotline for victims of cyberbullying around the world. So it's yeah, they're they're trying to make a joke, but also do good. Yeah, uh, I like that. It's you can't really appreciate from my proper glassware here, hashtag proper glassware. Uh, <laughs> but you know, a little murky as is the the northeast style here, New England style. Uh, you know, a nice uh, kind of orange, uh, not not super transparent, a little murky. Like I said, uh, taste is phenomenal. That it, that reminds me a little bit of uh, – you're probably not familiar. I might have sent you a beer from them, Fort George. They're in Astoria, Oregon, all the way out on the coast. Um, they're kind of like uh, – it's actually the town where the Goonies was filmed. So it's like super popular for that reason. Um, but they've also got this one brewery that's really good. And the last time I was there, I'm trying to remember exactly what the ingredient was. I think it was like – pine needles or something like that but they had an ipa that had no hops in it and it was just like i don't know pine needles or something like that pine cones maybe yeah. it was some weird like natural ingredient that they used uh, and it was actually pretty good it's um you know I, I was never a beer drinker uh i was a scotch drinker a whiskey drinker a bourbon drinker and one summer uh, you, know, you can't drink scotch when you're sitting on the beach and a friend was like you should really get into craft beer I was like I don't like beer and they're like you like cigars you'd love craft beer and I've kind of gone all in over the past three years a little um, bit yeah and we were uh, when we were in Connecticut some uh, I think it was John mentioned you and like how obsessed with beer you are and then he pulled up your untapped and was amazing everybody at the table <laughs> It's, I mean, if you look at my untapped, I've had it, I started it three July 4ths ago. 
And according to that, I've had on average like 840 unique beers a year yeah. over those three years. It's uh, It makes being an alcoholic a game. I mean, it's, it's fun. <laughs> um, but I, I like that you know, you get that, that weirdness. Like who would think to, you know, make a beer with pine cones or pine needles? Um, yeah. You know, there's a, a brewery here that I've drank on the show before called Carton in Atlantic oh, yeah. Highlands, New Jersey. You know, they, they made a beer once, uh, they make a lot of crazy beers, but they made a beer once called Delhi, and it was inspired by a pastrami sandwich. Like who would think to make a beer inspired by a pastrami sandwich that like actually tastes good and not like you know horrible yeah they uh, seem to be really good at that kind of like come up with an abstract concept for beer and make it taste good we had one it, that uh dennis who's one of our newer mods he uh and he's watching he uh brought a crowler of their peach swisher on cigar safari so we were drinking peach swisher at drew estate <laughs> Peach Swisher is, and who would ever think to have that? Like, you know, and it does. That. It has like that, like artificially but kind of delightful peach flavor that a that a flavored cigar has. And you get a little bit of that, like blunt roll kind of mm-hmm. twang or whatever. Yeah, it, I mean, it's what Augie Carton is doing there is is something unique. Yeah. So for the, I don't, I don't remember if I mentioned the ABV of the. Uh, Blood Orange Goza. Uh, the ABV on this is a like super drinkable 4.2. That's one of the reasons I really love Gozas is like they're my summer beer. Like when you're super hot, like you're mowing the lawn or something, it's like drinking Gatorade, um, but you're you're drinking at the same time. Um, so it's got like a really nice orange juice kind of flavor. I mean, which is exactly what you would expect from the name, but it actually goes really well with a cigar. I've always kind of liked orange juice with a cigar because it's so contrasting, uh, but this has like a little bit of that sweetness and a little bit of that sourness that I feel like really highlights the flavors of the cigar. It brings out some of the some of the spice that you don't really get as much in this Grand Reserva as you do in the uh, in the classic Antonio format. See, I'm getting a lot of. I keep going back to the floral, but I think the the hops in this IPA kind of really pairing well with the cigar and drawing out that that nice smooth kind of florally flavor. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm 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 gonna keep going home with that until we uh, we move on to the next pair. Uh, speaking of which, I can move on to my next one now. Actually, before I move on, um, I'll show a little sneak peek of Breakside What Rough Beast. Uh, And then I'm going to talk about a little bit when we get back from this commercial break. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring Rosado, Ecuadorian Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvanian, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaragua and available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. All right, welcome back, guys. We've got a couple of audience questions here. Uh, Peter Janetatos, I hope I said that right. Or nice job. Janetos. Janetos. No, 
Genetitos. That sounds right. Um, he wants to know if we've both had Treehouse. I've never had the pleasure, unfortunately. Uh, it's tough to get all the way here on the West Coast. Um, and I'm just not a nice enough friend that the few times I've gotten it because of how hard it is even for me to get, uh, I just never sent it to Trip. Uh, actually, um, it's funny because I'm here at, at Barrister Cigars in Union, New Jersey, and uh, I, I just saw somebody walk in that I just handed the rest of my can of Cyber Bully to. Uh, and he actually just made a trip to Treehouse for me last week. Uh, so I got to try... Uh, Lights On from Treehouse, which I've had previously and is a phenomenal pale ale. Uh, gets overshadowed really by the rest of the Treehouse offerings, but uh, for a, a nice, mellow pale ale, amazing. Um, and then I tried Sap, which again I've had before, uh, which is my least favorite Treehouse offering. Uh, it just does nothing for me. Uh, I think it tastes a little bit better at the new brewery because uh, they just opened a second brewery for Treehouse. Uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, I know one's in Monson. I forget where the other one is. Oh. Charlton. Um, and then uh, I've had, you know, I've had some offerings. I've had some of the curiosities and some of the treehouse, and I've got uh, one of their stouts, this peanut butter stout that they just came oh, out. Oh man, that is supposed to be phenomenal, and uh, Buddy is just holding on to it for our next share. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. Uh, so now I'm going to inter- formally introduce my second pairing so this is what rough beast from breakside brewery this is a new england style ipa um breakside i've i've had them on the show before uh they were founded uh oh i'm blanking on it i forgot to take notes on them um i think they're founded in 2011 it might have been later than that um but either way they're fairly new uh they started off as a like really small like 30 barrel, I think, brewery, which is not super small, but it's pretty small for a, you know, it's not a full production brewery. And their second year of operation, they decided to make 100 beers within one calendar year. Um, and they, of course, released the final beer on like uh, the weekend of Christmas. And I, I had to make it down there for that because it was their competitor to Plenty the Elder, or sorry, Plenty the Younger. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. And it was fantastic. And they actually, so since then, it comes out every year around the same time as Plenty of the Younger. And they're now like, I think this year there were six different breweries that had, you know, their own take on the Plenty, st- Plenty of the Younger style. And a bunch of bars have started doing blind tastings. So you go in and you pay like 30 bucks or whatever, and you get six different triple IPAs, and then you rank them. And then they publish the results so people know they don't know what they were drinking at the time but then after the fact they find out and then after the fact you find out what everybody preferred and plenty younger came in like third place yeah. and this one was first place um and it, it is just really good so but this is their northwest style ipa you can see it's super hazy there not as orange as some but it's still pretty orange um, kind of yellowy, uh, and it's of course that like hazy style, super super fruity, but also super like floral hoppy. They're not really bitter. Uh, this particular style, generally, um, I think this is going to go really well with the cigar. What's your second pairing? So uh, I'm I'm doing another Bolero. 
because I want to keep doing Jersey since I'm here. This one's called Muwanti, kind of like Mountie, but I told mm-hmm. you they like to do the, the beer thing. So this one, this is this is interesting. So this is a uh, let me let me look it up and look at my notes here. A seven percent smoked maple coffee brown ale. So a lot of bacon smoke and coffee wow. uh, with some some maple syrup. Uh, again, this is a, a yearly release. Uh, I don't know if I told you this about the last one, but both are were canned on the 21st. So we're we're talking less than a week old on both yeah. of them. Um, I've let this one warm up a little bit since we've been talking. So you get a little bit of that that smokiness, which I'm not a huge fan of smoked beers. Uh, I'm also not a huge fan of brown ales. But when you add in the coffee and the maple syrup, really, really kind of works nicely. I don't know how well it's going to work with the cigar, but the, the beer is solid. I, I don't generally like smoked beers either. They've just, I don't know. It's weird because it, I feel like it makes them taste salty, regardless of whether they actually taste salty. Um, it just kind of makes your palate do that because you're so used to, I don't know, smoked meats and bacon and stuff like that. Um, the Northwest style IPA, I think, is going really, or the Northeast style IPA, rather, New England IPA, is going really well with the cigar. I feel like New England IPAs generally work better with a cigar than most IPAs because they've got kind of that sweetness, but not super maltiness. Uh, it's kind of like a fruity sweetness instead of a malty sweetness that I feel like goes really well with. Uh, typically any cigar but particularly like a kind of spicy cigar like this yeah i think it's you know i i could see how the ipa would work really well with this one um i'm trying to think of of my past pairings and and what i'd say i I think once you get it depends on the ipa it it really does the sweetness of of a lot of the new england styles will work well because that flavor wouldn't necessarily overpower the cigar whereas once you get into a darker beer you know, a stout an adjunct heavy stout yeah i feel like you're you're completely you've got a bunch of different flavors that are just fighting against each other as opposed to working you know in harmony that you're looking for with a pairing right yeah uh but i mean i mean of course it depends on the cigar too uh, you're not going to pair a dark beer with something i don't know something really mild Right, um, and I just realized I forgot to mention uh, this breakside is six point eight percent ABV, so kind of you know, you're moving average, up. I would say. How's the cigar now? It's good. It's uh, I'm definitely getting more of that floral kind of flavor. It's it's weird how much milder than the regular Antonio it actually is. It's much much more refined. It's still got a ton of flavor, but it's way more refined. Uh, it's uh i'm curious you know is the intent and i don't know if when you talk to to juan martinez what what he said and if anybody asked him this but i mean is the intent for this to be a regular release like do they have a stockpile of five-year aged tobacco because i i could see this being really solid yeah so the impression that i got he'll actually be on cigar chat a week after next i think it's almost like we planned this yeah, it's almost like it, but we didn't. We, I, I assure you, we didn't. Uh, my impression was that it is going to be a regular release, uh, but they'll be a little more limited than the Antonios that you see everywhere. I, um, I think, like my personal 
thought on this is that the Antonio brand had kind of lost some of its value to the customers because they're so readily available on like cigar bid and stuff like that. And they're in all the catalogs. And so they wanted to have that brand, but something a little more premium. So I, I got the impression that they've been stockpiling this tobacco for a while. And they basically will have like, you know, kind of like the Ligas have where they have a five year uh, cycle where new tobacco is coming in, old tobacco is going out. I, I'm excited to hear that because, you know, again, it's been a while since I smoked in Antonio, to your point. I mean, it's you know, whether it's just because I, it's the same thing with beer, right? The, the beer that you see that comes in. New Jersey's got a growing beer scene, so we get all this new beer that we've been asking for forever, and yeah. it shows up, and for the first week or month, you're like, oh, we've got Night Shift on the stand, we've got, you know, uh, we've got, um, you know, Crooked Slave, we got this, we got that, and everybody buys it, and then you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to always be there. And yeah, so you're not as excited thing. about it all right. the time because you're right. you're trying to get that thing that you couldn't get before. Uh, but now that it's readily available, it's just not as big of a deal in your mind. Um, and I feel like that's part of the reason they're coming out with this cigar is to combat that feeling a little bit. Um, but, I mean, like, the first time I smoked an Antonio, I remember I had heard about it and I, I ordered, like, a five-pack from CI or something back in the day. And I got sick as a dog. Like, dude, I thought, I legit thought I had the flu. <laughs> I was convinced that I was, like, actually sick. And then I went inside and ate something and sat down for a little while. And it was like, oh, wow, that was that cigar. I didn't know cigars could be that strong. Um, you know, and this one, I feel like not many people would have that problem. No, I, I think it's it's definitely, although, you know, now that we're firmly in the yeah, it is. Third. It is a little sneaky. It, it's and it's definitely more, uh, as as Jose Blanco used to say, you know, it's it's might not be full strength, but it's definitely full flavored at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that that we keep calling it a floral note, whatever you want to refer to it as, is, is really coming through uh, even stronger now than it was in the, the first half inch or so. Yeah, I, I feel like I can't tell whether it's actually a floral note or not, but to me it tastes like <clears throat> a mix of, like, I don't know, this sounds so stupid. I hate talking about cigars because I use all these words and descriptors that I wouldn't normally use. It tastes like kind of like rose water and, like, oak. Like barrel aged rose water, that's what it reminds me of. Like I come up with these stupid things when I'm smoking a cigar, and I just hate verbalizing them. You sound like you could write for another website that yeah. that everybody reads. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't disagree with you. It uh, that's that's you know, that's I'm not very good at this either. So you know, that's kind of the direction that I'm going. I'm sure someone with a more sophisticated palate could call it out better, but. Uh, I'm I'm on the same page as you. Um, before we move on and before we take our next break, uh, Jose, uh, Man Angel, he wants you to tell us about Kane. <laughs> I'm not familiar with them. All right, so Kane is is like my local local brewery. Uh, it's going to be their sixth an- it's their sixth anniversary this month. Sixth anniversary party will be very soon. Um, 
in in typical New Jersey beer fashion, like uh, they have just exploded over the past mm-hmm. year. Um, so I think I think in 2015, maybe even earlier, I'd have to look because I don't know off the top of my head. They won uh, the Great American Beer Festival uh, grand prize for stout for. Uh, their their imperial style called the night to end all dawns um, oh yeah and that was really uh the the you know, kickoff to uh people really finding out about new jersey new jersey beer uh and came as as a whole so i mean there used to be a time where i used to go there and uh you know i could walk in anytime on a saturday afternoon and you know, just pick up whatever they happen to have released that day, uh, whenever they had a release. And now it's the kind of thing where uh, they they had they've recently switched to online pre-sales or a lottery system. Yeah. Because you would go at at noon on a Saturday when they open, and there would already be a line of a hundred one hundred and fifty people just on the hope that they would release something that day. And when they opened, if they didn't release anything, 125 of those 150 people would just get in their car and leave. They wouldn't even go inside. There were wow. people lining up as early as 9 a.m., three hours before the brewery opened, just hoping that they would release you know, Sunday brunch or Mexican brunch or morning bell or, or anything. So uh, I've been lucky enough that you know, either myself or, or friends, I, I get most, if not all, of their releases, and they're really phenomenal. They're they're probably at this point a clear runaway candidate for top brewery brewery in New Jersey. Um, they've just become more popular, you know, too popular for their own good. Um, you know, they they like I said, they they've just switched to online pre-sales because their neighbors are complaining about the massive hordes of people that show up every Saturday. Uh, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. So they don't actually like announce when they're releasing something. They just kind of like, they open the door and there's a bunch of cans there. So they, they always have their flagships. So almost always they will have cans of head high overhead and sneak box, which are, you know, IPAs, double IPAs. Um, almost always have that but they will do silent releases where they in the past they've done silent releases uh either cans or you know, usually they'll do their dark beers in a in a bottle system um and it's always silent releases or was always silent releases so you know they'd open the door at 12 at 11:55, they post on Facebook. We're releasing Sunday brunch in the brewery. Wow! You know, we've got 4,000 bottles, or we've got 8,000 bottles, or whatever. Um, and it's this summer. It's really taken a turn where it's just gotten, you know, obscene. Um, there were rumors on, you know, Reddit NJ Beer or Beer Advocate where people are like, you know, they're going to release Sunday brunch, and that went for a month and a half. So for a month and a half, every Saturday, people were lining up earlier and more people were lining up um, until you know, they finally released Sunday brunch and they ended up opening the doors at 11 because they already had 250, 250 people in line. Wow. Um, it's, That's nuts. It, it's, it's 
it's not fun. It's not not. Yeah, fun. it not becomes fun. like uh, it becomes less of a hobby and more of a. I don't know. It, it feels more like a job that you're not getting paid for. <laughs> it, it and that's exactly it. And then you know most of these guys turn around and just sell the beer for you know Mexican brunch. I'll tell you a funny story about Mexican brunch since we're talking about King. Mexican brunch was released by an online presale, eighty bucks for six bottles. Uh, two weeks ago, let's say about two weeks ago, um, before the bottles were even picked up. As soon as people found out they won the presale, there were bottles up for you know sale on the black market for a hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks. Wow! But they had a problem. So something went wrong. The the spices that came used in the beer caused the beers not full on geyser as some of you know some beers that you have you know you open up the cork and it just explodes. It's like a fountain. Mm-hmm. This wasn't that, but. There was some overflow on some of the bottles, not all of the bottles, but if there was the right amount of sediment in the beer, if it was kind of at the bottom of the barrel that filled it, there was some overflow. People started complaining. Kane announced they weren't asking you to reach out to them for a refund. They automatically refunded everyone. And they didn't ask for the bottles back. So we're talking $80,000, $100,000 worth of sales that were refunded without question. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, if if you want, that that's the message I tell you about Kane. Not only is it the best brewery in New Jersey, but they're they're classy stand up dudes. Awesome. Uh all right, before we get into our last beer, uh we're gonna take uh our second station break here. We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today and we're back uh so we're of course here uh victor luca totoro said that uh matt is the master of finding quality beer and he wanted to know what you're smoking of course we're both smoking the hoy de nicaragua antonio gran reserva if mine will focus here get it in front of my face there we go um so this, for anybody who doesn't know, is, of course, the original Antonio that we all love. But they age the leaves for five years prior to rolling. Uh, so they've got a little extra fermentation on them. Um, and it really makes for, like, a way more refined experience that is kind of like a, uh, I don't know, it tastes like a, a well-aged version of the original Antonio, but a little bit less of that, like, heat and strength that you kind of get from it. Um, yeah, and he he also wants to know what the place you're at is. So I'm at Barrister Cigars in Union, New Jersey. Um, this is uh, one of the first and only Liga Privada lounges uh, in in the country. So this and Wooden Indian in Pennsylvania, and I guess at this point Riverside is probably a Liga Privada lounge, and so. Corona. I guess they. I'm not sure if they're a Liga Privada lounge or what their official designation is. But, I don't think they are. Um, I know they're a DDRP, but I don't think yeah. they're Liga Privada. 
the really cool story, and I, I know Trip is trying to move along the show, but I, I ramble. So, uh, go for it, man. I'm in Nicaragua. I'm hanging out at Drew Estate, and um, Jesse is showing me around Subculture Studios. This is I don't know several years ago, and um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Lafferty. Lafferty is there and he goes hey hey maddie uh you know check this out and he's showing me some artwork that jesse is working on and he goes uh this is for a place in new jersey and i'm like where it's like uh barrister cigars in union new jersey and i'm like dude i just moved five minutes from union new jersey because <laughs> uh, i literally had just moved up here from from kind of the jersey shore and uh he's like we're all going there. That we're having a grand opening of the Liga Privada Lounge in two weeks, um, and two weeks later, I met JD and Lafferty and, and Pedro and the whole crew uh, at Barrister Scars, and I've probably been here every day uh, since that point. So uh, it's it's funny how things play out like that. Wow. Um, so my last beer is from Crux Brewing. Um, Crux is in Bend, Oregon. They were founded in 2012. This is from their Banished series that I've featured before. Um, a thing that always drives me crazy that Matt and I were talking about before. They, not only do they have this like crazy intense wax, like that's some thick wax on there. Um, but they, I lost it, but they also put a cork in it. Oh, here it is. They put a cork in, so you gotta eat through the wax, then you gotta pop the top off, then you gotta pull the cork out. Um, so I, I would imagine these beers would age really well because you're not going to have to worry much about, uh, them, uh, going bad while they're aging. But the one that I'm drinking tonight is freak cake. So this is a, they call it an old brown ale, um, that is barrel aged with Britannomyces. Is that how I say it? Uh, it's, it's close. You're very close. Okay. Um, Bredanomysis. Yeah, whatever. It's close. Okay. So I'm going to kind of read the label here because there is a lot going on before this beer even gets into the bottle. Uh, it says uh, it's the brown hue is derived from Belgian aromatic malts and fruity esters, which are augmented by lemon and orange zest. For a further twist, the Bretanomyces introduces second... In, in, Introduced in secondary fermentation, uh, has sour cherries, raisins, cranberries, figs, and it ends up making it a mildly acidic ale, uh, which they then age in. It doesn't say what they age it in, but just having had one sip, I'm guessing that they age it in red wine barrels. Um, and this old brown ale is 10.5% ABV, 35 IBUs. What are you drinking, Matt? So I have now moved on from New Jersey beers, but I'm drinking a beer from Easton, Pennsylvania, which is literally like the first town in Pennsylvania once you leave New Jersey. And it's Weyerbacher Insanity. Um, so this is, so Weyerbacher has a beer called Blithering Idiot, which is a, a barley wine. And they take that and then they age it in whiskey barrels. And that's what gives you insanity. So we've moved up to 11.1% ABV. 
Uh, so you get the barley wine, but additional level of complexity to an already intense malt profile by adding a combination of vanilla, oak, and whiskey notes. So this is this is definitely my nightcap. Yeah. This is something that I would think would typically go well. I think if we were smoking the original Antonio, you know, mm-hmm. this would probably be hitting amazingly with this. Because you get that that spice and that strength and that power from the original Antonio with kind of the booziness uh, and the, the oaky and vanilla flavors of, of the barrel-aged barley wine. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it works here. So, I mean, just taking one sip of this one and smoking the cigar, uh, I messed up real bad. <laughs> this is a good beer. It just, like, it's it's got way too much going on for this cigar. It completely overpowers it. It's got, like, that funky sourness of a sour beer. And then on top of that, it's got, like, the sour cherry is very, very prevalent. And then the sweetness from, like, the raisins and the apricots and whatever else they said was in there. Uh, Cranberries and figs. I mean, there's just so much going on. Like, And there's a little bit of, like, bitterness from those cranberries. It's just... uh, it's just way too way too much going on for this cigar. See, this is this is what we were talking about before, right? If if you get some of those heavier cigars, some of those adjunct heavy, you know, we were talking about stouts or porters, but you know, this this applies. Yeah, yeah. There's just too much, and and it just they tend to not really work well with cigars. Um, if I really want to smoke a cigar when I'm drinking a beer like that, I go with something lighter that. You know, it's clearly non-offensive, and I don't really care if I taste the cigar. It's more yeah. about just where, where you're just smoking to smoke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's the kind of cigar I would pair with this. This beer just has too much going on, I think, to pair with anything. Uh, this is the first time I've had it, so I wasn't really sure what to expect. But it was—it's just way more intense than I was expecting for a brown ale. It reminds me a lot of. Uh, have you had uh, Consecration from Russian River? I have. It reminds me a lot of that, like where there's just so much funk and so much like there's so many layers, like there's layers of bitterness, layers of sweetness, layers of like sour and funk. And there's just so much going on that I, I don't know if any cigar could stand up to that. Well, now I'm going to be eager to uh, track one of these down just to to see. I'm curious if you drank it on a, a clean palate, what your your thoughts of the beer were. Oh, I, I mean, my thoughts on the beer are that it's amazing. I could drink this beer, like, every night after dinner. I could sit down and drink this beer, but it just doesn't go well with a cigar. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll have to track down a bottle. It's pretty readily available in this area. So you, you mentioned how it came with the, the wax top. So I'll, I'll give a, a quick shout-out because it's a, a good story and a funny anecdote here. Um, I hate wax top bottles because they make it so difficult. And, you know, especially if I've been having a few drinks already, I mean, who wants to try and slice their hand open, opening a, a wax top to the bottle, especially one that yeah. has work after it. But for anyone listening, you can go check out. There's a, a company called Yopeners. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's Y-O-P-E-N-E-R-S. And if you do a Google search, they're they're on Etsy. They've got an Etsy store. They're called Yopeners. Um, and it's it's this ingenious tool that uh, it, it comes with like a, a serrated, it's not even a knife. It's just like a serrated kind of 
metal piece that works really well in taking off wax tops. And it also comes out with a, a like a metal bottle opener, but it's got a magnet in there. So when you open the bottle, it leaves the cap in perfect condition with like no bends or creases of any kind. I don't know what kind of crazy voodoo witchcraft it is, but it blows my mind every time I see it. Um, but the, the great story about this is that it's made by a guy and his son. And the guy is a woodworker. And his son is autistic and blind. And it's like the thing that the two of them do together. And so they're, they're decently expensive. They're like 25 bucks a piece. Um, but it's a, a feel-good story. And it's a fantastic tool. So I might uh, buy if, one of these. I'm looking at them now. They have like, you can get them uh, kind of like engraved however you want. Yep. You can get them made from bourbon barrel staves, which is really cool. Like, it's, I mean, they're not that expensive. It's 23 bucks for one. That's uh-huh. got a, uh, a rare earth magnet in it, and it's made from a bourbon barrel stave, which is pretty sweet. I've, I've got a couple of buddies that have them. They work fantastically. They're oh, they also make a cigar ashtray out of the inside of a bourbon barrel. Oh yes, I see it. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, all right. right, So these guys might get some business from us. So Yopeners on on Etsy, tell them you heard about it on uh, sharing your pairings, and uh, you know it's a it's a great product and a, a a good good story. Yeah, I could I could definitely see one of these things being useful, and yeah, so. About the cap bending, that's a really interesting thing to me because there are, you know, everybody's got that one bottle opener that just bends it in half. Oh, yeah. Or you have that one, like, you know, those pocket knife ones that kind of pull up that corner um, and you end up with, like, that sharp piece like that. Yep. But then you've got ones that end up, like, this one's kind of unique because it's a little dented, but because of the wax it looks flat but sometimes you end up with like that perfect cap that you can kind of snap back on um and i'm i'm kind of always looking for a bottle opener that can do that every time it sounds like this might be able to do it i know a lot of people that like to do you know like they keep them like the same way you or i might keep cigar bands mm-hmm. and make a, a a poster or or mounts on my my bar in my basement or a table yeah. or something uh people take uh, bottle caps and, and create designs and stuff. So, I mean, if this is going to keep the bottle cap in perfect condition, you know, use it just the same. Yeah. Um, how's that last beer treating you? The beer is good. I, I think, you know, I, I think the, the first beer, the IPA, the zero IPU, zero IBU IPA, worked best with the cigar. Uh, the second beer, the smoked coffee maple brown ale, did not work with the cigar at all. I think there was just too much going on. Probably the same thing you're dealing with right now with the brown ale. Um, the barley wine, it works. You really need a stronger, need a little more spice, I think. Uh, if the Antonio Grand Reserve had a little more spice, a little more kick, a little more power, uh, I think it would hold up better. The booze and the, the kind of floral flavors of the barley wine are really kind of overpowering the cigar at this point. Um, so I actually, I, I was I was thinking about just not going back to the beer until after we were done with the show. But I, I went back for a couple more sips, and I think I've warmed up to it a little bit. Like, 
I don't know if it's warmed up or if my palate has acclimated, but it's not like that sourness isn't shocking my palate as much. And I'm actually getting some better, like, uh, I don't know what exactly the flavors are that I'm getting out of the cigar. Like, a, I think the fruit sweetness in the beer is actually bringing out some of the fruity sweetness in the cigar, uh, which is nice. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I was when I first started drinking it. Good. I'm Good. at least seeing a little more pairing potential. And we did kind of skip over our last station break, it's but it's it's brought to us by Drew Estate, and you kind of already plugged Drew Estate. So um, Drew Estate, they make great cigars. Uh, they also distribute these cigars. Um, so anywhere you can get Drew Estate, they can also probably get Hoy de Nicaragua. Um, so, you know, buy some Hoy de Nicaragua and Drew Estate cigars. They're great. Yeah. yeah. Anyone that knows me knows I, I yeah. hype up JD enough. You're kind of a whore. <laughs> yeah, I might be a little bit of a Drew Estate fanboy sometimes. Uh, but, I mean, they do make great cigars, in my opinion. Uh, I know not everybody loves them, but I, I think I haven't had many bad cigars. From... Uh, I love those guys. Oh, and speaking of Drew Estate, we're actually going to have Fabian on tomorrow night. Um, as far as I know, it's our first ever cigar chat with like the non-traditional side of cigars. Um, so this is going to be like an entire cigar chat focusing on acid and KFC and, uh, you know, all, all of those other cigars that Drew Estate makes besides their traditional products, um, which I'm kind of excited about because I used to view them as just garbage that I would never bother smoking. Um, but I think I've kind of come around. There's definitely a place for them. The they they don't fit my palate that well, but um, there's definitely a market and a place for that kind of cigar. Definitely a market. I mean, the KFC. I I I'll be honest, and I've told JD this to his face. The KFC, I just cannot smoke. Like, period. Cannot. See, and smoke. and for me, like I I'm I used to be until probably two years ago. I was completely I had a an acid extraordinary larry that somebody sent me in 2006 i didn't smoke it until april of this year because i was like i'm just never smoking that thing i'm just gonna stick it in this extra humidor where i stash all of my infused stuff for when a buddy comes over yeah Uh, and it just sat in there for 10 years um but i think there's like there, there are redeeming factors about those and uh, i'm kind of excited to have like a show dedicated to it when I talk to people that aren't cigar smokers, you know, they or or I mention that I, you know, you know, know Jonathan Drew or you know whatever. Um, more often than not, the name Acid will come out of their mouth. So really, it, it blows my mind. Um, but people know Acid like it is. Yeah. And I can tell you, you know, I spend a lot of time in cigar shops. Um, you know, you'd be surprised how many people come in, you know, looking for, hey, you got those acid? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, they're very popular. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to go back through my beers here. Uh, and, oh, I caught a fly. Uh, so the, the sourness of, after after the fruit cake, the sourness of the blood orange goza is nothing. Like it almost tastes like it's not sour at all. Um, I'm gonna have to think about this for a second. I can't give it a rating yet. Normal. Okay. So 
I, I know you ha- you've been away from the show for a while. So we started doing when when Rob left and I I moved in. Um, we started doing ratings. So we try to okay. give like at least within like two or three points a rating. So usually it would be like, you know, I don't know, ninety to ninety three or something like that. Do we do we do the so beer or we do the pairing? Okay, the I got pairing, you. not okay. the beer itself, not the cigar itself. Okay, it's how they work together. Okay, I got you. All right, you want me to to take yeah. the pass? Yeah, go ahead with your first one. All right, so uh, my first one was Cyberbullied. It was uh, a zero IBU IPA from Bolero Snort in New Jersey. Um, you know, heavy, heavy on the hops. You know, Citra and Amarillo and Mosaic and this and that and a million other things. Um, super floral on on the the beer. Um, really smooth, really nice, a little fruitiness. Really works well with the cigar. I mean, we're talking like mid nineties, and you know anyone who remembers me knows I don't give out. You are 90s. a harsh raider. Yeah, I do not give out nineties easily, but I'm talking like ninety five range for that that pairing. I thought it was fantastic. It really, uh, for any nerves I had doing the show for the first time in in a year plus, uh, you know that that pairing kicked me off right. Um, so I, I went back and I tasted the blood orange goza a couple times. Um, I think this actually for a goza, I don't think you're gonna find a goza that pairs better with a cigar than this, because it's kind of got all those elements of a goza, but it's not it's not pushing any of those elements too far. Like uh, with Westbrook, Westbrook is a very sour goza, um, and it's fairly salty. I feel like that particular goza doesn't go as well with a cigar because it's so kind of one-sided to the sour end. Um, and this one's got more of that, like, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of maltiness, a little bit of sourness. Uh, I would give this one, like, a 90. All right, so we're, we're starting out high. We're starting out yeah. good. Um, what about your second one? All right, the second one was uh, another beer from Bolero Snort out of, uh, I think they're based out of Ridgewood, New Jersey. Uh, it was called Monty, which is a smoked coffee maple brown ale. Um, I've had the beer before. I had it last year. I had it uh, this year's version for the first time last night. I had a couple cans. Um, I like the beer. I don't think the beer is fantastic. Uh, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of smoked beers. Not a huge fan of brown ales, but I like the coffee and maple with it. It just does not work with the cigar. I, I think there's too much going on. The flavors really conflict with each other. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm a hard grader, so I'm I'm talking low 80s on on this one. Ouch! Uh, like 81 to 84, I guess, if by your your plan here or your your scoring, uh, which I don't think is is horrendous. No, uh, I, I'm just you know it, it just there there are much better pairings that you can get. Yeah. So. Um... Actually, that makes me want to just bring up a point really quick. So my rating scale, 85 is absolute neutral. If it's less than 85, that means it had more more bad than good. If it's higher than 85, that means it's good more good than bad. Is that kind of okay. your thinking? Uh, yeah. This I mean, one that's... was kind of just below that neutral. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. terrible. It just wasn't great. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So for What Rough Beast from Breakside, uh, the uh, New England style IPA, I think this one's 
high 80s. I feel like it pairs really well with this particular cigar, but I um, it just didn't bring out as many flavors in the cigar as the Blood Orange Goza did. So, uh, yeah, like 80, 88, 89. Okay. What about your final beer? All right, so my final beer was Weyerbacher Insanity, so a beer out of Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, this one, barley wine, a, ba- a bourbon, whiskey barrel-aged barley wine. Um, like I said, I, I think it would serve it better with the original Antonio, something a little spicier, a little more powerful, mm-hmm. a little more strength. Uh, but I still think it worked. Uh, definitely worked better than the Monty. Um I'm probably going like an uh, you know, 86 to 89, so high 80s on this one. Um, you know, again, going back to your scoring method, better than than neutral, uh, but not nearly as good as as the the cyber bullet. Um, and for me, the the freak cake, um, this beer is like it's just like next level complex. Um, the problem is it just covers up the cigar so much. Uh, I, w- I would give this one like an 82. It's a fantastic beer, just not a good beer for pairing. So our scores were, were pretty much close. I mean, we Yeah, just... they were actually pretty close. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not bad. Well, and I'll have to send you a, ca- uh, a can of Cyber Bully so you can try it with the Oh, cigar. yeah, that w- I, w- I would really appreciate that. So uh, back to the cigar, what do you think of the... Uh, Grand Reserva now that you've smoked another one. So I'm going to be honest with you. I, I smoked, like I said, I smoked uh, one of these the other night. Um, I don't think I, I, I don't pay attention to cigars like I used to when I was you know, more intimately involved with, with Cigar Federation. Um, and so, you know, I smoked it. I didn't really think much of it. Now that I'm smoking it, taking my time with it, really kind of trying to pay attention, uh, I really, really like this cigar. Uh, yeah. And I didn't think I did at first, uh, but I really like it. Uh, you know, my palate has changed a lot over the years. Uh, there was a time a couple of years ago where I was you know, like Logan. I was you know, hard hitter. Raging. Give me, give me more power, more spice. I want the the, the hero bomb. I want, I want the. Uh, you know, I want in your face. Uh, I think my palate has gotten more refined a little bit over the years, um, and you know the, the the favorite my favorite cigar, the cigar I smoke most often is you know first generation Habano seed, and it tastes like rose petals. Uh, and this reminds me, it's it's a totally different cigar, but it reminds me in some ways of that I'm really digging. Yeah. Um... I mean, I could see myself smoking this. I see myself smoking this more than the classic Antonio. Now that now that I know that it's out there, um, like before, you know, the Antonio was just a great cigar that I didn't smoke often enough. I feel like this is a, a cigar that's going to be more in my mind. I'm going to think about it a little more and want want this cigar. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dennis Fang says that Evil Twin Two Roads, which I feel like they called that something, was it Evil Roads or something? Their uh, Geyser Goza. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had what? that? I ha- I have actually. I uh, so there was a thing I I haven't bought from them in a little while, and I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Tavor. Okay. No. Maybe it is Tavor. I don't remember what it was called. 
Um, but it's a service based out of Washington State. Um, so just like a couple hours north of me. And they kind of are like, I don't know, like the Groupon sort of of beers. They curate beers and then sell them to their club. But the really interesting thing about them is that they have flat rate shipping. So it's like, I think it was $16 shipping and you buy anywhere between one and 24 bottles and they just ship once a month. So every day you get an email uh, and all the same or a variety pack? Variety. So every day you get an email that's like, do you want this beer? And you say, yes, I want one bottle. I want six bottles or I want, sometimes it's like cans in four packs. You say, I want two four packs. Um, And then at the end of the month, they just charge your account the flat rate shipping. So they're charging you every time you buy beer. And then at the end of the month, they charge you for the shipping and they ship you a box or two of, of, uh, of beers. Yeah. And that's how you got it. Yeah. So Geyser Goza, not my favorite Goza. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of Evil Twin or Two Roots, to be honest with you. Uh, Geyser Goza is cool because it's made with Icelandic glacier water. That's why they call it yeah. Geyser Goza. Um, and I, I actually think you can kind of taste it in it. I don't, I mean, that could be just me being like, you know, so beer snooty, but well, like, I legitimately think you can taste it. So actually, Dennis just commented and says that it's brewed with Icelandic moss, rye, herbs, sea kelp, skyr, which I don't know what that is, S K Y R, and birch smoked sea salt. It's, I mean, it's. I, I would tell Dennis, uh, you know, like I said, you want a good Goza, you go to Westbrook, you get the, the Westbrook Goza, you get the Key Lime Pie Goza. Oh, God, that Key Lime Pie Goza is so good. That that shit's, uh, that stuff is on oh, another level. It says Skur is yogurt. Okay. So it's got yogurt in it. Is he from Iceland? No, he's, <laughs> he's actually from the Ukraine. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, that that's on another level. Um, yeah, so Westbrook, their their standard Goza really is like the gold standard of Gozas. It's there's not another Goza that nails every element of what the style should be. Like I, I don't know, I haven't smoked a Goza that was you know back when Gozas were invented three hundred years ago. Yeah, or the, the American style goes on. But yeah, they're, yes. they're kind of the best example of what I think a goza should be. And that key lime pie, oh my god, that one was amazing. Um, Stefan Lindblad, one of our members of Cigar Federation, uh, last time I was in Seattle, he had just come back from a trip where he had somehow found a couple six-packs and he was gracious enough to snag one game. And, I mean, that one is just incredible. I, I think I might actually have sent him, uh, when Westbrook first started distributing to New Jersey, I think I might have actually sent him a six-pack or something. Um, he said he did. And yeah. He yeah, it is... 
again, you know, there are probably beer aficionados that might be listening to this and being like, these guys have no idea what they're talking about because technically it's the American style of Goza that, that Westbrook yeah, is. It's not the classic Belgian. Or exactly, exactly. But, you know, uh, we're American, so we're superficial, and that's all we actually think about. But, uh, you know, I, I love that. I mean, I don't, I've never seen a Goza that came from Europe. Uh, if I did, I would buy it. Try it, uh, but as far as I know, there aren't any ghosts from Europe that are distributed out here. Um, and yeah, and sure. I missed the end of our Armed Forces Radio segment, so I'm gonna have to do a little bit editing for that. Uh, but thank you for listening to Cigar Chat. Uh, sorry, thank you for listening to Sharing Pairings. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, stay safe out there. We appreciate you out there protecting our freedoms. Uh, you know, stay safe. Thank you for listening. Thanks for your week. service. Be well. All right. Now we're back. All right. Throw me some more questions. I'm digging the questions. There's some, some good ones. And I like people that know about New Jersey beer. So Let me see if we have any more. No, we don't really have any more questions. No. Um, right. I'm glad so, I'm not entertaining that there's no questions. Uh... <laughs> Actually, I, I have some questions about New Jersey beer. Like, what, what is the up-and-coming brewery in New Jersey right now? Because everywhere now has, like, a couple of years ago, it was kind of like, you know, there were craft breweries. Yep. And everybody in the area knew who they were, and that was it. Now, the kind of, kind of uh, ideal path for a brewery, everybody in the area knows who you are, then you explode and you're everywhere. Um, I mean, but where I am, we've got like, I think we've got somewhere around 70 breweries within like 20 miles of the city now. And Which blows my mind. Probably half of those don't even make it out of the state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are like the ones that people are going crazy for locally that you think are going to blow up? Yeah. So, I mean, you got to understand that New Jersey brewing beer is, is, you know, we're, we're years behind where you are, right? Like, yeah. the, the Pacific Northwest, you know, is is kind of prime. You know, it's like Massachusetts and Vermont and stuff and Maine are here, right? Yeah. Uh, New Jersey, I mean, it's only very recently that, that legislation has passed that has been kind of brewery, pro-brewery. Um, so we've seen a complete spike uh, up spike in in the amount of breweries that that have come in the past five years um, you know five years ago there were maybe you know I, I don't even know if there were 20 breweries in the state and now it feels like there's you know 20 opening every year um, I think we're somewhere I mean you say you've got 70 within the city or within I mean that's just a guess but it's it's I a think, lot I think New Jersey might have 70 within the state, right? Yeah. And it, it takes me, you know, uh, four-ish hours to go from the top of the state to the bottom of the state. So, I mean, and, and probably an hour and a half to go across. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about 70 breweries, uh, but it's it's getting much more popular, more are coming. So you, you've got your top tier. And that's Kane and Carton. Kane has, has really usurped Carton over the past couple of years. And is now I mean, they're definitely more well-known outside of 
they're clearly the number one right now. Uh, I used to be a much bigger fan of, of Carton because um, I really liked what Carton was doing. They're they're brewing unique, right? They're they're brewing craft beer, uh, unlike anyone else is doing. Kane is doing, you know, the IPAs and, and the stouts and the porters, the Belgian styles. Um, you know that that. A lot of other people are doing it. They're just doing it better than everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those two are, are the top. Then you have the next tier, which is Magnify, which is in Fairfield, New Jersey, so northern Jersey, and Conclave, which is in Flemington, around that area, Raritan, New Jersey, uh, which is kind of central West Jersey. Um, Conclave, I love. Uh, very small operation. Um, they've just started canning. You know, they they barely distribute outside of their own brewery. Makes a phenomenal IPAs. Uh, Gravitational Waves uh, is, is probably their best known. They make an amazing uh, milk uh, order. I guess it is Mexican Morning. Um, you can look that up. Magnify has really jumped on the uh, the IPA bandwagon and the, yeah. the and north, northeastern IPA bandwagon um, and they get a lot of flack in the state uh, rightfully so um, because for a variety of reasons we don't really have time to get into um, but you know, they're very popular they're the kind of thing where they have you know releases weekly and you know, yeah. people are lining up and they sell out within a couple hours of cans um, I've not been a huge fan of Magnify um, you know, they they were doing something called the Woe series, which was uh, like saisons, which was really fantastic. Um, and then they've gone completely IPA. They, you know, they think if they include hazy or northeast IPA in the title, that people go crazy about it, and people do. Um, but I've, I've, I haven't liked what they've been producing. Some of it has been, I, I thought, buttery or, or you know, infected in some cases. Um, I just had their release the other day. They had a triple can release, uh, an IPA, a double IPA, and a triple IPA. They were the best beers I've had from Magnify maybe ever, uh, but at least in a very long time. So they're they're upcoming. Um, if you go down to South Jersey, uh, Cape May Brewing Company is massive. They might be actually the biggest brewery in New Jersey. Uh, and the one that you might hear about the most outside of New Jersey, just because, like I said, they are the largest brewery in New Jersey. Um, I'm not in love with what they're producing. They produce some okay stuff, uh, some stuff that I just don't think is good. Um, but, uh, you know, very popular in South Jersey, very popular in Philadelphia. You know, South Jersey is practically Philadelphia. Like North Jersey is practically New York City. South Jersey is practically Philadelphia. Um, they're very popular down there. Um, a couple of, of breweries that I'm, I'm high on, um, Icarus Brewing in Lakewood, New Jersey, is really new. They're about a year old. Um, I'm going to give him props because he's uh, a fellow Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, the head brewer, Jay, um, you know, he's, he's really coming into his own, making some great IPAs, some cool beers um, worth paying attention to. Uh, there is a, company, a brewer in, um, I forget the town it's in, uh, in South, South Jersey called 
village idiot. Very small brewery. They don't can. They don't do anything. You know, you walk in there. It's it's like a, a small restaurant. Um, but they make. I, I think they're one of the most underhyped brewers in New Jersey. They make a really great beer. They make a beer called Elvis Left the Building, which is like a peanut butter uh, banana stout. Uh, it, it, they make some funky stuff. I, I'm, I, I dig what they're doing. Uh, and it's not, it's one that not a lot of people talk about. Um, but really, I mean, you know, it, it's there's a lot going on in New Jersey. You know, there's a lot of breweries that are, are new, um, a lot that are doing it the right way, a lot that are doing it the wrong way. Uh, it'll be interesting how things play out in the state over the next couple of years. And uh, yeah. I'm curious how, how the state will support all these breweries. But it, you know, for a beer drinker and a, a beer nerd, it's a really exciting time. So Dennis, uh, so I didn't mention this before. Dennis lives in North Jersey. I don't remember which city. He lives in, in Brooklyn. He, he pinged me. He, he, oh, actually he, lives, he actually lives in Central Jersey. I don't know if he knows oh, that. Okay. He lives in Central Jersey, which is um, a, a complete New Jersey joke, and you won't get it unless you're from New Jersey. I don't get it. He um, does live in Central Jersey. So he says there are 76 production breweries in New Jersey with 23 on the way. And I was doing some research. So we have, in Oregon, there are a total of, where did I see that number? 208 breweries. And 84 of those are within the Portland area. So, I mean, you know, first of all, I mean, Portland is one of the meccas of mm-hmm. craft beer. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, it's hard to compare. I mean, that's like saying, I'm, I'm curious what the numbers are in San Diego. Um, but New Jersey is definitely up and coming. Um, yeah, and, it really is. I mean, just the fact that New Jersey is not an enormous state. And the fact that they have 76 breweries. It's crazy. And like he said, you know, 23 coming, right? And, uh, you know, I'll give a shout out because I moderate NJ Beer, our NJ Beer on Reddit. Um, you know, you can see a full listing and a full map of all the breweries that are in production and that are coming. Um, and, you know, it's, it's exploded over the past two years. Um, Dennis is asking about milkshake IPAs. I have never heard this term. Yeah. What does that mean, Matt? A resident so, beer expert. So milkshake IPAs, um, I'm not going to say that they invented it, but the 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 um, the brewery that popularized milkshake IPAs is a, a brewery called Tired Hands in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. So uh, if any of our, our cigar friends from Wooden Indian are, are paying attention, they're very close to Tired Hands. Um, Tired Hands makes milkshake IPAs, uh, which is, is, I don't know that they include lactose in all of them, um, but basically, it's it's their way of saying you know, super hazy New England style IPAs, um, and and you know they've become very popular. It's the kind of thing where it's actually a running joke in the the beer community around here that when Tired Hands releases a milkshake IPA, they open let's say at five o'clock on a, a Wednesday or Thursday or whatever day they open. Um, People will put their lawn chairs out on the street. Mind you, Tired Hands is in downtown Ardmore, Pennsylvania. 
so it's not a huge city, but it's a city. Yeah. Um, people will put their lawn chairs out like 9 a.m. in the morning, and you drive by or you drive through downtown Ardmore, Pennsylvania on a release day, and all you see is lawn chairs lining the sidewalks. It's the most ridiculous thing. Because if that happened in New Jersey, like I, I can guarantee you people would be like, screw this noise, and they take the lawn chairs and throw them out into the street and stuff. Yeah. But for some reason, you know, nobody cares in Pennsylvania. Uh, I guess they're much nicer than us in New Jersey. But um, it's it's super popular, and, and I'll tell you, uh, I've had a few that, that aren't amazing, but most of the milkshake IPAs I've had from them are phenomenal. Uh, you know, there's all different flavors. There's double vanilla milkshake IPA. There's, oh, man. Yuzu milkshake IPA. There's coconut milkshake. It's it's, but they're all you know on another level. So just imagine kind of a, a flavored, uh, you know, super hazy, super creamy, super fruity IPA, uh, and and they're phenomenal. That sounds pretty good. I think I might have to see if there's anybody locally that's making something like that. Um, I, I expect it'll be a couple years before we start seeing it. I mean, like this year is the year of the Northwest or the Northeast IPA here. So like we didn't get super hazy IPAs until this year. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have any input on milkshake IPAs, but it sounds like something I would like. I, I, I know, let's put it this way. Of all the people that I've had it, or that I know that have had milkshake IPAs, I've heard, oh, I think that's too, like, the key lime one. Eh, that's too key limey. Or the, the watermelon one. It's too, uh, yeah, it's too, uh, you know, uh, artificial tasting. But no one has ever said, oh, I hate milkshake IPAs. Most people are like, oh my god, that's the most amazing thing I've ever had. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to track some something like that down. So, it's weird to me that that kind of like waiting in line for a beer release is so popular there, because that doesn't really happen here. Um, I've I've never seen a beer release in Portland that's like people are lining up to get it, because I think that there just aren't that many people comparatively who are ready to wait in line for a beer. See. I'm going to be devil advocate here and say, I don't think it's that. I, I think there are people, right? I think it's a combination of two things. I think, A, you've got more breweries within 20 minutes that's true. than we have within four plus hours, Five hours, yeah. Right? So that's part one. Part two is I think your beer scene is more mature. So I think okay. that the, the breweries there that know that they've got beers like that are like, we don't want people waiting for hours. We're going to do a lottery, or we're going to do an online pre-sale, or we're going to do a brewery loyalty plug, or, or whatever the case may be. And no New Jersey, well, that's not true. There are some New Jersey breweries that have loyalty clubs, and there are some like Kane that's beginning to do the brown paper tickets or, or Eventbrite or whatever to to do kind of the online pre-sales or the lotteries, but New Jersey's still trying to figure it out. They, they just don't yeah. get it yet. So um, I, I think that might be a bigger bigger piece of the puzzle. Yeah, that that's probably true. And I'll, I also think uh, there, 
it's it's less of a big deal when a tiny brewery does a release here. Um, I mean, it seems like they're like a tiny brewery can open up, make one really good beer, and then they've got lines around the block for months uh, just because of the hype off that one good beer, and anything they make is gold after that. I mentioned Conclave, right? Conclave Brewing, yeah. in, I think they're in Flemington, New Jersey. They, they're close there. Anybody that looks it up, you'll be able to find it. Conclave Brewing. Um, they Their first ever release, like bottle, can, anything, was barrel-aged Mexican morning. Okay? They, Mexican morning is one of the best beers they make. They released a barrel-aged version, which no one had ever tried before. Right, they'd never released it on tap before, but it was their first bottle release. They released it on a Sunday. They're closed on Sundays, so it was literally come just to pick up a bottle. There were a hundred bottles, and it was one bottle per person. So you're telling me a small brewery that's never released a beer before, that is releasing a beer that they've never produced before, they never brewed before. And it's 100 bottles, one bottle per person. And it's not like you can go and then drink. There okay. were following so far? Yes. But I, th- I think I just got, like, a light bulb just went off. There were people in line, and I know this because I was the second person in line that day. There were people in line starting at 7.30 in the morning. And by the time they opened at noon, they already had the 100 people in line. And this is a small brewery that had never released anything before and that was releasing something that they had never brewed before. So the light bulb that just went off is... As far as I can remember, there like I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen a release that was bottles or cans only that was only available at the brewery. So okay. the the scene here is kegs. Like th- people do that. Like people say we just tapped plenty the younger. And post it on Facebook, and then an hour later, that keg's done. Yep. Because people rush there. Um, or, I mean, there's similar local beers, like uh, like the Safe Word IPA from Breakside. Um, but I can't think, like, the only one that I can think of off the top of my head is when they released Safe Word in bottles. And that had already been available on tap all over the city for years. It's, it's I mean, that's the scene here. It's... Most that makes of the breweries, you know, there might be a special event where, you know, you can find them on tap somewhere. Mm-hmm. But most of the breweries here are, you know, not distributing outside of the brewery. So okay. you're only that going makes a lot of sense. to the brewery to get that. And if they've got any can or bottle releases, it's only at the brewery. Okay. Yeah, so that's like kind of the opposite of what it is here. And again, I think it's just immaturity of of the New Jersey, yeah. you know, uh, community. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, I think that that makes it about time to end the show. I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, thanks everybody for watching or listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube. Uh, you know, we we appreciate it. We're this is something that we like doing. Uh, but we wouldn't be able to do it unless there was an audience out there. So thank you for watching.
and Matt, Reach thank on, you for joining me. Hey, dude, I, I'm glad to be back. Anytime you want to have me, I, I'd love to. I love smoking cigars and talking about beer. So, all right, anytime. Might, so, I'm I'm thinking for the next sharing our pairings. Uh, the next one might be with John. I'm not sure, uh, but the next one I do with you, I think we should do me, you, and Dennis. Uh, I think that would be a good show because we're all we're all just total beer geeks. Well, maybe maybe Dennis and I can meet up somewhere in North oh, Jersey. <laughs> And figure that out. I mean, he commutes to the city, so I just assumed it was North Jersey. I, I will get into what's the difference between North Jersey, Central Jersey, and South Jersey on the next uh, Sharing Your Pairings. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, have a great week. Adios.